All right. Uh, so tonight I wanted to pick up with the points uh, that we st left off with the other day because there was a couple of questions that people asked me to just clarify the points. They really understood them, but they wanted me to say them again so you get them. So you have them on your outline. Uh, and it is, you know, it's not just that I want to say to, to us as a family, church family, uh, that we need to know what self-control is or we need to know um, what self-control is not. But then you want to get to the answer of how do I form or how do I mature or grow in my self-control, right? And so we left a few points out there Sunday uh, for us to study on the self-control model, and it was... Um, primarily the four points that you have right there. Uh, we probably need some outlines down front. Do we have any down here? Uh, because I think they're all in the back, so we need some down front. Um, but the, the four points are, number one, the Word of God. You know, any growth uh, that you have in your life or any personal uh, maturity for the believer, it has to start with the Word of God. Amen? Um, if you have any personal growth, any area of your life, if it's going to be in tithing, if it's going to be in the area of how to develop your faith, uh, if it's going to be in areas of any personal spiritual maturity, uh, overcoming uh, depression, it is always going to be found first in the word of God. Whenever we start trying to find answers within ourselves, or whenever we start finding answers in science, or any other form of knowledge is Gnosticism and humanism. And so that is man trying to seek to answer his own questions in life. And let's just face it, it's our answering of the questions that's probably got us in the trouble we're in, is that in most cases. It's when we did not consult the word of God, it's when we did not talk to the Lord about it, that we probably found ourselves out there. So the first thing you want to do with anything, any Bible study, any any growth pattern in your life, any uh, overcoming anything, it first needs to be anchored in the word of God. And so that's why I'll always give you that as a point, uh, simply because if it's not anchored and found in the word of God, what are you testing it by? What are you trying it by? The spirit of the Lord only speaks the word of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit is not going to guide you to the dictionary uh, for an answer from the Lord. It's gonna, he's going to guide you to the word of God, right? Um, and I was reading something and I, I uh, looked at it. Somebody was asking me, what is the uh, path to uh, uh, wealth? Uh, or what's the path to success? And I said, work. <clears throat> they said, well, not for everybody. I said, it's only in the dictionary that success uh, comes before work. You catch it on the way home, all right? So only in the dictionary is the success comes before work. It's an S word and work is a W. You got to work first. You got to work. Uh, and so there are just some things in life that you're going to figure out. And the Bible says that you're going to have good success after you follow the plan of God, whatever it is. So always look for your first step in the word of God. Second one is people. God places some godly people in your life. Now, we had a question that is going to be really good at the end of this uh, study that asked the question of what happens when you are trying to set boundaries and borders and the people around you, for lack of a better word, don't respect them or they say you're acting funny or you're changing, right? Well, one of the things you gotta do is that if you're changing, you gotta be honest and say, I am changing, right? Because the boundaries and the borders that were not in place that I did not have were not good for me, amen? 
so if they weren't good for you, they just weren't good for you. And so you got to own that. And I was one of the things I said to somebody, you just got to own it. And, and when I began to uh, make some changes in my life, I didn't let nobody shame my change. Uh, people love to shame your change. They like to, you know, say, you acting all holy. Well, thank you. Tell them thank you. Amen. It showed better than the way I was acting. Amen. Because the way I used to act was not holy. I ain't going to say what it was. I'm just going to tell you, thank you for the compliment. All right. And so, yeah, that's people placed in your life. But then when I say people, I don't want you to just think about people in authority. Sometimes God places people under your level of authority to speak to you as well. We always look for the doctor, the reverend, the profound you know, preacher, the prolific person. You need to stop looking for that and look at the authenticity of the word that is spoken from the vessel that God chooses to use. Notice in several places in scripture that I've outlined there, and you're going to read those on your own because I really want to spend more time on the three questions tonight, that it was Nathan after David had made the grave mistake in 2 Samuel 11, it was Nathan that came to him. Now get this, I need you to understand something. Nathan put himself in grave danger to speak to David in the manner in which he did. Because he worked for David. He was literally the priest. He could have, you know, been in a bad situation there to go in and tell the, uh, the king, hey man, you messing up. And he used a parable. He, he kind of went back door on him a little bit. He said, David, you know, I want to tell you a story about a man who did this and did that and so forth. And David said, who is that man? Who would do such a thing? And Nathan said, you the man. And so sometimes the Lord uses people who are not, you know, over you to speak to you or people who you would think are in a certain position or role in life. But God will use common everyday people. Can you think of a common everyday situation or a person, maybe on your job, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe in your family, maybe a child that spoke to you because there's another situation, and you can read this when you get home. Naaman, the, the great general of Israel, had leprosy, did he not? But who told him where the cure was? A little girl. A little girl who had godly exposure. A little girl whom had been in contact with the prophet, whom had been carried away. She spoke to him. Let me tell you something. And I don't single this person out above any other person in our church, anybody. But Trevor Thompson, little Trevor, that little kid says stuff to me sometimes that blows me away. I mean, literally, but I knew his father, and I know his mom, and I know the spirit of the Lord. Zaya, Uzziah, sometimes their demeanor, and people say things like that. My daughter says stuff to me like that sometimes in a wise way, uh, and so it just kind of, you know, grabs me, and they can say things. So don't uh, turn away from the wisdom that God will choose, especially when you are trying, remember, to keep self-control. Now, self-control, again, is not just in temperament. It's not just in your voice and your tongue. It's not just in your finances. It's also in your flesh. Sometimes self-control can be all of the above at the same time. But whatever it is, you know your own area of self-control, and you got to know where you're out of control, and you got to know when people are speaking to you that will help you maintain control, all right? So you got to know it, right? And let me ask this question. Does everybody in here know your area that you're more likely to be out of control in? I see my saved folk ain't found it out yet. As if they have not been tested and don't know, right? Well, I don't, well, yeah, you need, you need to know. If anybody know, it need to be you, right? 
Now, what you don't want is for everybody else to know and you not know. Right. Everybody has that potential of having uh, boundaries and borders that have not that have been too loosely structured where you at one point or another have been out of control. Right. You just went too far. And when you when you thought about it, you said, no, that didn't make good sense. I just went too far. Right. Well, I ain't done it in 20 years, so I'm over it now. Don't you say that you can control it. Because the minute you think you are in control of it, guess what? That's when you find yourself right back in love again. Come on, Jeffrey Osborne, help me sing the song. Every time I turn around, back in love again, right? Right. And so you got to stop and think about that. So you, and I, I couldn't ask that question on Sunday because everybody would have left and we wouldn't have been able to collect the tithe. But do you know your own area where you're more likely to find yourself challenged with issues of self-control? You need to know that, right? And then when you know it, that's where you begin to set boundaries and borders for yourself. Set boundaries and borders for yourself. Even the word of God has set boundaries and borders for us, but some of us need to tighten them up a little bit. Amen. We need to tighten them up a little bit. I know mine, so it's just some things I don't put myself in the place of. I don't put myself around. You know, sometimes I, I know some set-it-off kind of personalities that are in the world, and mine doesn't mesh well with them. So I just kind of say, let me stay over here. Uh, because when I go over here, uh, it's going to get set off, right? And I don't have uh, that quite yet that restrictive enough boundary within me to not respond. Even if I don't respond verbally, I might respond with a, uh, you know, that kind of thing right there. That's a response, right? And just because you didn't say nothing, but you threw your hands up and said, oh, you know. And, and somebody caught, well, he was in there acting. That's a response. That's a response. And I was letting my self-control slip away. And so, you know, if you know your boundaries and your borders, just be wise. Don't put yourself in certain situations. But what are the things, again, that help you with your boundaries, will help you in the self-control model? Again, the word of God. People placed by God. Every person, get this, every person is not a boundary border person to help you in self-control. Some people push you to the limits of self-control. Some are there to speak calmness and truth in times that they see you losing control, right? And, and most of the time, those are the people who can start by saying, I understand. They validate your feelings, right? They will validate your feelings, but they don't push you beyond that particular place and point. We're talking about self-control, all right? And then parents, I, I gave you that Sunday. Parents, uh, young people, parents, and, and, and really, Mature people. My mother was a boundary for me, and I, I shared this uh, with some people. Praise God. Uh, I shared this with some people. My mother was a strong boundary line for my character. My mother was a strong boundary line for me. And uh, I, I shared this with some friends a long time ago, and some, uh, shortly after the passing of my mother. I knew that there were some things that I did not do because I just loved and respected my mother, and I didn't want to bring her to shame. Anybody got that boundary line in your life? Amen. Uh, I'm on television a lot and I'm in different things and I never wanted my mom to look up on television and find me, you know, in handcuffs, uh, cussing somebody out. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I never wanted my mama to ever have to say to me, uh, you know, son, I, I know you, I know them people got on your nerve, but you shouldn't have did that. I never wanted that. Shortly after my mother died, I had to tell somebody these words. I said, look, the woman that kept me off you is gone. I did. I told her, I said, the woman that kept me from cussing you out ain't here no more. 
I said, so now, and I told him, I said, you need to back up off me until I set some new boundaries in my life. Because I realized the only reason I didn't say some things to you is because I loved her so much. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me in here. Y'all acting like y'all got it. I ain't, oh, pastor, what an awful thing. I know my boundaries. I know my borders. I know, you know, Jesus ain't the only one that's keeping you all the time. Can I say it that way? I know everybody here holding the Lord is keeping me. Yeah, he's keeping you. But he got some help from some folk here close to you. Right? Uh, cell phones are keeping some of us because people can't record us. Amen. <laughs> Did I hear somebody say amen over here? Thank you. Honest, ain't we? Only reason you don't do it is because you're thinking some cameras around there somewhere. Cameras are keeping us. Hallelujah. Now, what else is keeping us? I said parents. Prayer and confession to God is good. I want us to read Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5 real quick. If you got your Bibles, let's go there real quick. Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5. I'm just telling you, Psalm, these, I mean, confession is good, right? When, when we don't like it, but we need to talk to God about some things. Um, look at what David says, Psalm 32. Verses 1 through 5. Everybody got it real quick? All right, you got it? All right, wait a minute. You're on a live podcast, and so people are going to hear this, and they're going to think you don't know how to read the Bible. Do you have it? All right, thanks. All right, so please, they're going to be saying, them people that don't read their Bible. No, you can't be doing that. Okay, here it is. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. He said that blessed, did he not? Why? Blessed is a man. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. That's a pretty good situation, isn't it? Watch what happens. He said, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. As long as I tried to lock this stuff up in me and act like wasn't nothing going on, who was it killing? Whose bones are wasting away? His are, right? Yours are, mine are, right? He said, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Prayer and confession, folks. Get before the Lord and talk about it. It's killing us otherwise. It, it'll wear you out. You are not built to lock it up on the inside. I see some people try to go through life and act as if certain things never happened. You need to talk it over with the Lord. You need to get that stuff out of your system. And you need to go ahead and give it up to the one who can handle it. Amen. He says, I want to hear it. The Bible reminds us he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But when we try to hold on to it and keep it within ourselves, we're bringing destruction to our flesh. So, yeah, he tells us that the things that will help us uh, for building our strength and keeping some sense of self-control is to confess it. Confession to the Lord is just to say sometimes, Lord, I was wrong on this. Lord, I need your help with this. Right? Now, don't ask me what my this is, and I want you to ask you what your this or your that is. 
But everybody got a little of this and a little of that. Amen. I know. Give me a hand. Well, I ain't figured out what mine is. You keep on living. He says confession is good for you. Psalm 51, you can read that one when you get a chance. And again, I said my feet, they're a gift from God, right? So look, if you can't do nothing else, what do you got to do? Run, run. That, that, look, a lot of y'all laugh when I say it this Sunday. But I'm telling you, sometimes you need to get some cute excuses for getting out of what you're in. You better run. Amen. When you can't remember none of these scriptures that I'm quoting to you tonight, you ain't got your Bibles nowhere near. Feet don't fail me now. Right. Get on up out of there. Right. Get out of it. And, and, and look, I mean, look, tell them, look, I got to run out here and get something out of my car and get in the car and just drive off. Right. And text them when you get in the car. Say, I had to leave. You got to explain nothing. Just go because you got to learn that if you find yourself in a situation where you don't have control, that the consequences of being there can be far worse and far more humiliating and far more embarrassing than just your simple departure from that situation. All right. All right. Let's go to the podcast questions that I think are good for consideration. Um, number one, why? This is a good question, right? Why does God allow us like David to be tempted to the point where we lose self-control. Anybody ever felt like that? Why doesn't God just keep it from happening? Right? Why doesn't God just keep it from happening, right? He, I mean, he got the power, right? Come on, doesn't he? So God, you know I'm, you made me, right? You know the number of hairs that are on my head. You know that I am but dust, right? You know my weaknesses. You know my strength. So if you know me, why do you allow me to be around the stuff that is going to ultimately tempt me like that? Why did you let the casino get built right around the corner from my house? Why did you let them pay me in $1 bills the other day? Y'all will catch that on the way home. More of the women laughed than the men, by the way. Right? A more serious issue. I had some people from Columbia in my uh, program last week, a young man from Columbia, and one of the real issues among people uh, from some of the Latina nations is alcoholism, right? Why is it that you allow the liquor stores to charge a 20% surcharge for cashing checks and they can't go to the bank and cash their checks? So they go to the liquor store and they don't get 20% of the money. They just have to buy up to 20% worth of what the check is. That's a system that's going to not only uh, bring them into a financial burden, but it's going to create another problem, isn't it? So now they're walking out with tequila, right? And there's alcoholism high among our brothers and sisters from the Latina nation. And we see this in the United States, and this kind of policy is upheld. It's the same kind of uh, uh, predatory policy that's done in our communities. Uh, it's been done for the African-Americans for years. That's why some of our parents had uh, uh, alcoholism and we didn't understand it. Can I teach that for 30 seconds? 
what literally happened was, look, if I don't have a bank account because I'm afraid somebody's taking my money, child support, IRS, and other, I get paid, I take my check where? To the liquor store. When I take it to the liquor store, what did the man in the liquor store say? You, I'll cash it, but you got to do what? You either got to pay me 15, 10 to $15, or you can do what? Buy some stuff. So what does good sense make? I ain't finna just give you 10 or 15 of my hard-earned dollars, am I? I'm going to get, what, some stuff. And I don't even drink this stuff, but I'm going to get it. And since I got it, I might as well. Now I got alcoholism to fight with, contend with. Now I got problems at the house. I got all of these things. That's my social justice platform for the day. But the idea of it is, is that these are things that literally are going on around us that we have to be aware of. Look at what happens. What he's saying to us in so many ways is, we got to learn how to flee. Got to learn how to run. Got to learn how to get out of some stuff because you're not built to be there. Why does God allow us to be tempted above the point where we lose self-control? Couldn't God just keep us? Let me help you with that. First, I need you to turn to the context of what David was in in 2 Samuel. I got to push for time on tonight because I got a lot of passages to cover here. 2 Samuel chapter 11, so you can see the context. What is going on with David? I paraphrased it to you the other day, but I need you to know where it is so you can go read it for yourself. 2 Samuel chapter 11. What is David doing? David is out of place. It's the spring of the year. And because David is not where he is supposed to be, he's exposed to some stuff that otherwise he would not be exposed to. So is that God tempting David? All right, who, who put David in that position? David put David in that position. Because God had a place for him according to the rules, according to the law. What was David supposed to be doing? It was the time of year when kings are supposed to be out to war, right? It was the time of year when you were supposed to be at work that day. But instead of going to work, you decided, I'm going to go drink margaritas with my girlfriend. And when you went and drank margaritas with your girlfriend, you saw him and he had muscles everywhere, right? And now you're saying, Lord, look at that, right? And now you done got hooked up with him and he borrowing your car while you go to work and he using your credit card while you go to work. And you're saying, Lord, why did you lead this man into my life? The Lord ain't led that man into your life. You skipped work that day. You let her talk you into going to get margaritas because she was having a bad day. You ended up where she was and then nothing happened to her. But the consequences are now all with you. David was out of place. It wasn't God. God did not lead David to Bathsheba. David's first position led him to Bathsheba. David's inability to hear the people around him, the person around him who reminded him of who she was, David didn't hear it. Because David was led away by what? His own what? Desires. Come on, say that word, desires. Where do desires come from? Guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Can I tell you what David's son wrote? Solomon, go to Proverbs chapter 4. Let's look at what he wrote. You're going to see something very powerful here. Proverbs chapter 4. I think it's somewhere around verse number 23 is what I read, but let's start at 20. Who has it? 
Proverbs chapter 4, who has it? You got it? Somebody going uh, you going to help us with that? Read that for us? All right. Proverbs chapter 4. Start with uh yeah, let's let's go to verse 20. Start at 20. Yeah, let me see if 20 is exactly what I want. Ba, 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 ba. Yep. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. Stop for a minute. Every time you hear a metaphor for something physical, hold your hand up, right? All right, my son, all right, pay be what? Pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Where do desires come from? From what you see and what you hear and what you say. Look at how many times he told him. Pay attention, Harold Rhodes. Pay attention, son. Now, can I help somebody here? Solomon is writing to his son, right? He's writing out of experience. Solomon is the one who is led away from the kingdom by what? Women. Not just women, but the lust that was in his heart. But Solomon did not come across this just being the first generation of being Solomon. Guess who else had it? His daddy, David. And so now there's an old demon living in Solomon's house. And he's telling his son, Rehoboam, son, the best way I know for you to defeat this is to watch what you allow going into your heart. Watch what you listen to. Watch what you focus your eyes on. You can't Google everything on the Internet. You can't go on all the websites. You can't hang around folks saying certain things. And then you can't say everything everybody else say. Because when you start confessing it, it's taking root in your life. You can't have holy outcomes with hellish input. It ain't going to happen that way. Solomon was saying something very powerful. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. He said, son, I done been through something here. I've learned something here. I've learned and lost a lot. He said, son, don't let yourself get caught up in this trap. He says, let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your what? Your heart. What does his daddy David say in Psalm 119, 11? Thy word have I hidden in my He's saying, if you're going to let something get in your heart, let it be the word of God. Because what will mess up the self-control factors in our life is the stuff we let get in our heart. It's the stuff we let get in our heart. And if you can guard your heart, Psalm 119, verse 11 was my favorite. David, uh, he's asking the question, he says, wherewithal shall a young man remain pure? That's what that was, that was a question about, purity, right? Wherewithal shall a young, it's hard out here. That's what he was saying. He was saying, look, it's hard for me to be in this uh, culture that I'm in and remain pure from all the stuff around me. Is it hard to remain pure from all the stuff? I ain't just talking about sexual sins, y'all. I'm talking about all of them. Amen. Sometimes, you know, listen, listen, listen. Y'all can't fool me. 
Uh, I've I, I seen some folk that went shopping with folk, and because they didn't have no money, and they didn't want to say they didn't have no money, they were shopping with folk and spending money that they didn't have. It's hard, because you see everybody else doing it. And you say, I just want to feel good and do it too, right? Now, you were waiting on them to drop you off so you could go back to the mall the next day and return the stuff. But he's <laughs> smart, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's smart, right? You went back the next day and found they had put it on sale and they only gave you 80% of what you paid for it. Now you're mad. Now you're going to give me my full amount. I just got this yesterday. I'm sorry, we dropped the price. This is all you get back. He's saying something. Watch what he says. Keep your heart, verse 23, with all vigilance, for out of it flows the springs of life. Put away crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Watch where your eyes look. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be before you. Watch where your feet go in verse 26. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. My Bible, I love verse 27. Y'all might not have this one. It said, don't swerve. Don't swerve, right? Tell your neighbor, cut all that swerving out. Say, say, y'all say, I knew y'all got a hold of cut all that swerving out. You whispered. You know, I got. But he said, don't swerve to the left or the right. Don't deviate. Don't, don't, don't get off this. He said, straight in front. Now, that's hard. I know that's hard. But I'm showing that the desires is what drives us. Uh, James chapter 1. This is where it talks about desires. Uh, uh, James chapter 1. It's not in your outline, but let me give it to you real quick. James chapter 1. Uh, somebody get, who has it? Verse uh, 12, 13, uh, somewhere around there. 12. Start at James chapter 1, verse 12. Who has it? Who has Mike? Not, no, okay. One, go ahead. James chapter 1. What does it say? Starting James verse chapter 12. 1, starting with verse 12. Yeah. Blessed is the man that endured temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. Yeah which the Lord had promised to them that love him. Right. 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Stop right there. Let no man say when I am tempted that what? I am tempted of God. What does the question say? Why does God allow us to be tempted to the point where we lose control? Couldn't he have just kept us? God, it's our desires, right? It is what? Look, 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 folk. Look, look, look. Advertise chocolate ice cream to your child from the day he's born. Advertise, just tell him, reward him with chocolate ice cream every time. You want to do, if you do right, I'm going to give you some chocolate ice cream, right? What have you created in that child? Not a desire to do right. You have created a desire to get chocolate ice cream. And now when that child does something with that child, I want some chocolate ice cream. They have an overwhelming penchant and desire for what you put in front of them. We are born into a money-driven, sex-saturated culture. Amen. It's based on the more money you got. Huh? What you say? The more money you got, the more sex you can get. Right? <laughs> I'm just saying, we, it's, it's a, it's, it, we, if you don't, and look, you can sit in here and act, you can deny it all you want to. If you don't see the correlation between sex and money in our culture, you're blind. Right, most of the market is on 
Ladies and gentlemen, there are more people in the room than this, but they're just not saying anything right now. We live in that culture, right? Amen. There are some things and some people you never would pay attention to. Let them have some money. <laughs> they all of a sudden look better to you when they got some money. You overlook some stuff when they got plenty of money, right? My sister's over there saying, amen. I like the amen. They are amen. You're right. We live in that culture. And so between those two connecting points, these desires are created. Read that, read, read that again. Say not, don't, don't say when the Lord, don't say when you're tempted, you're tempted of the Lord. What's the next verse? Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and That's, enticed. And, and some of your Bibles say desires, don't it? It's the stuff you long for that draws you away. Right? You know, uh, some of us, when we go into the boardroom and they start talking about strategic planning, we say, I hate strategic planning. But you and I are some of the best strategic planners in the world. Let me tell you what a strategic plan is. It is to contrive a strategy to get what you want, right? When you get dressed in the morning, you're putting your strategic plan on. That's part of your strategic plan. To be seen by what you want to be seen by or who you want to be seen by. When you put that perfume on and when you get that, that when you buy that cologne and stuff, bro, when you put that, that look on, right, that's part of your strategic plan. To go to the place where you know the attention will be. That's a strategic plan. Who am I talking to in here? Don't act like you ain't strategized to get what you wanted. Everybody in here done set at least one trap in your life. Talk back to me in here. Amen. Some of y'all caught some stuff you did not want to catch. You was fishing and you got a tire or a boot and you wanted to throw it back in the ocean. Amen. But that's part of your strategic plan. Right? And so look, don't say that when I'm tempted, I spent too much time on question number one. Don't say when I'm tempted that God did this to me. I'm drawn away by my own desires. Can I help you? Purge your thought life. Go back to Proverbs 20, uh, 4, 23 again. Watch where you go. You ain't got to go there physically, but just look at all the It doesn't just say, you know, it, it flows. Out of, the, out of the heart flows the issues of life. How does stuff get in my heart? I've been watching it. I've been looking at it. I've been listening to it, right? Uh, uh, check this out, y'all. Uh, you, you can't listen to that podcast every day. Y'all know the one I'm talking about. I listened to it one time, and I, I felt like I needed a shower when I got through listening to it. Uh-huh. Y'all don't act like a, yeah, Pam sitting back there looking like, I'm, I didn't mean to call your name Pam Atkins. Uh, 
She's sitting back there looking like, what are you talking about? It, it, it's a podcast out right now that a lot of people listen to. Y'all check with Tara because she'll tell you about it later. Uh, <laughs> she said, ooh-wee, when I said it, she, was, she gave herself away, ooh-wee. Yeah, but you can't listen. I'm not saying this. Uh, listen, entertainment. But you can't listen to it all day, every day. You got to listen to the word of God. You got you to counterbalance at worst. It's the one you feed the most that's going to grow the most. Right? So what he says to him is, listen, man. He's telling his son. And, and I like Solomon because here's what Solomon is saying. Listen to the generational wisdom of the folk before you who got bit by this trap, right, who got caught in this trap, and we can tell you how to avoid it. That's literally what he's saying. When your, when your mama said, girl, that man don't love you, you may think she does not, you, you think, you know, your mama being mean. When your daddy say, or your mama say, son, that girl ain't no good for you. Now, they may not be doing a good job explaining it, but they have some, some notice, some wisdom, some mother wit, some father prayer, all these things that they're saying, I'm noticing some stuff here that does not add up, right? I mean, you get paid every other Friday. They come every other Friday. They don't come on the Fridays you don't get paid. They only come on the Friday that you happen to get paid, right? And we always got to go out and be in the scene. We can't never be around family, around the house. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. We can't never be nowhere where there's cover of light. We always got to be somewhere where it's just us off to the side and never a time where we can connect in the openness. So mama them, and guess why mama know that? Because she ran across a dude just like that. Guess why daddy know that? He, he was that dude. <laughs> He was that dude. So daddy can say, that, that dude ain't no good. How you know that? Just take my word, all right? The dude ain't no good. Got some ways to remind me of myself. All right? So, no, God does not, God does not, he's not the source of our temptation. I want to say to that person to purge those inner desires. Listen, some stuff got in that we need to get out. Can I say that? Some stuff got in. And where, where did it get in? Sometimes from a child, born in sin. Shaped in iniquity, Psalm 51, it got in. But just because it got in, what I love about the Bible, oh, let me be an equal opportunity pastor. I did talk about uh, uh, what, 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 what Proverbs says to the men. Can I talk about what Solomon said to the women? Go to Song of Solomon, chapter 3. Song of Solomon, chapter 3. And, and, and I noticed this. I noticed this. We'll talk about what, what the Bible says to men, right? You know, but look at look at Song of Solomon, uh, chapter three, verse one through five. Who has not wrong when you get it? Read it, or somebody over there, uh, read it. Okay, Gary, back in. He can read. Okay, all right, Gary, read it for us. Chapter three, verses one through five. Yes, sir. Wow. <laughs> no, go on, read it just like it's in there. You shouldn't have brought that Bible if you didn't want to read from it. I might have to leave after this. One. Okay. It says, by night on my bed, I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. I will rise now and go about the city in the streets. And in the broad ways, I will seek him 
who my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. The watchmen that go about the city found me. To whom I said, saw ye him whom my soul loveth. It was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him who my soul loveth. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, that ye stir not up, nor awake my love till he please. Who is this that come it out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke? I told Gary one through five. He done got all down in verse <laughs> six. He done start getting poetic. And see, see, he reading the Carlotta now. He, he ain't reading us no more. Who is this? He done got all oh, his legs done got this? to moving. He sitting over there talking about, who is this? And I, I ain't asked you to do all that, Gary. He kicked his foot when he said that. Who is this? Carlotta, come up and sit with Gary, please. So what is he saying? Yeah, give Terrica the mic. Terrica says she give her a piece of that. <laughs> Break off a piece of it. Go on. Yeah. The message translation reads. Wait a minute. Anybody here under 18? No, I'm just kidding. All right, you can listen. Restless in bed and sleepless through the night, I longed for my lover. I wanted him desperately. His absence was painful. So I got up. Went out and roved the city. Uh-oh. <laughs> hunting, hunting through the streets and down alleys. I wanted my lover in the worst way. I looked high and low and didn't find him. And then the night watchman found me as they patrolled the darkened city. Have you seen my dear lost love, I asked? No sooner I had left them, then I found him, found my dear lost love. I threw my arms around him and held him tight. Wouldn't let him go until I had him home again, safe at home beside the fire. Oh, let me warn you, sisters in Jerusalem, by the gazelles, yes, by all the wild deer, don't excite love, don't stir it up until the time is right and you're ready. Amen. So what's done happen? She done had a desire. She done tasted something, right, that she ain't supposed to have yet. See, the wedding ain't took place yet, right? Wedding don't take place till a little bit later on in the book. But she's saying, look, once you done had what you done had, you can't unhave it. And when you can't have it, you get them to go look for it. And then when you get them to go look for it, the police will get you. The watchman is the police. You out stalking in the midnight hour, and you done got arrested, right? Yeah, because you busting car windows and checking in apartments and twisting locks and stuff. Come on. Uh, women, y'all ain't just talking about the men. Amen. See, we told the brothers over there, brothers, watch where you go, what you do, you can't. But not only do they say that one time, that one phrase is repeated three times in the book of Song of Solomon. In chapter 2, chapter 3, I believe again in 8, 7 or 8 down there, says it over and over emphatically, don't stir this up before it's time. Don't 
you get your desires out there because you will lose what? Self-control. Is that a case of lost self-control? I see some prayer and confession needed back over in this session back here. Folk done start slipping down in their seat down there. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. I understand. There is redemption in all this, all right? I want to say that. And, and, and I, I, I want to make this disclaimer at the end of the lesson, but I want to get through these other questions real quick. All right. So, yes, yes, it is our desires. It's the stuff that we try to think we can handle before we can handle it. It's the stuff we think we, you know, can desire and it won't take control of us. Our desires lead us away. So be careful what you desire, okay? And if you have some desires that you are too overly focused on, uh, God, taper and, and trim my desire for this. Uh, what our parents used to pray was, take the taste for this out of my mouth. God, take the taste of this. I, I, I long for it, and I long for it too much. And it's gotten to the point where I long for it so much that I can't control my longing for it. Amen? Any, any questions on that point before I move to the next one? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It says, uh, then after desire has oh, yeah. been conceived. After it's been conceived. It gives birth to sin. And sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So this is uh, retro, uh, uh, retro for uh, looking back at what happened with David. What David did was lusted, right? And then he sinned, right? And he sinned, and the sin led to the birth and death of a child, did it not? All right, so, and it's not always meaning physical death, but it does mean, listen, when this progressiveness takes place, there is a penalty or a consequence of which God can forgive or choose to deal with however he chooses to deal with it. Even in forgiveness, there will be consequence. All right, let's not think that forgiveness means the absence of consequence. All right? Uh, there are consequences in our forgiveness. We, I mean, people can say, I, I forgive you, but there are still consequences in there, right? I forgive you, but I will not allow this again. That's the consequence, right? Well, you holding something against me. No, I'm not. I'm just saying this is the consequence, but I'm, uh, the fact that I'm still talking to you shows that I forgive you. I'm hooked up with you. We, we cool, right? But you cannot drive my car no more, Right? Because you keep bringing it home with a flat tire and no gas in it. So it's best for me to just say to you, your car privileges are being rescinded. Now, I love you. Can I drop you off at work? Can I give you a ride? Or here's a bus pass. But I'm still in relationship with you. So that's it. So you're right. It's progressive in nature. And the full-blown end of it can lead to something that we don't want to give up. All right? Any more you want to add, Tony? Were you finished? Okay, all right. Thank you. Good point. Anything else, anybody else? All right, let me go on to the second one real quick. Great. Um, we, uh, is, is biblical self-control possible today? 
How many of you say yes? How many of you say no? All right. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Amen. How many of you are unsure? All right. Tell me your unsures. Tell me my unsure people. Why am I unsure? Let me start. Yes, ma'am. She's bold enough to say why she's unsure. He's going to give you the microphone, right? Hello, everyone. Um, so I'm unsure because we're, we're not perfect and because we were born to sin. Like, we can't, not saying that we can't fix what we do, but our desires will change, though, mm -hmm. you know? Okay. I hear you. Yes, sir. I believe if we're not kept by God's spirit, that none of us can uh, resist temptation. Okay. I, I, I would tend to agree with that. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody want to make a case for why you can, why it's possible? All right. You just made a case for why it's possible, I think. Anybody want to make a case for why it is, you don't think it's possible? I think you held your hand up. All right. Why don't you think it's possible? I like these kinds of discussions. And it points out the fact that we can be all over the place in the same place. Amen. Go ahead. Well, I don't think that it's possible per se because, like that young lady said, we were already born in sin. And then as we look in the Bible or read from the Bible or hear from the Bible, a lot of them wasn't biblically perfect. Right. So then the only thing that I think that we could do is strive to be as perfect as possible. Now, I'm not asking for perfection. Now, notice the question again. Is biblical, biblical self-control possible today? I don't believe so. Okay. All right. Biblical self-control. All right. So let me explain something about the nature of God. All right. God cannot ask you to do anything that he does not give you the power to do. Right. Now, the power to do it is just like your mom sending you to school. It's possible to pass, right? But you got to work at it, right? And he puts around us counselors and teachers and systems and principals and aides to help us. And where some people have even thought some children couldn't succeed, they have. Because it's possible. Now, it's hard. And it's harder for some people than it is for others, right? All right? Uh, it's hard when you have certain uh, 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 things that you're endowed with. Let's say you are a naturally successful golfer like Tiger Woods with a whole lot of money, right? It's going to be hard because, you know, people draw to him like a magnet, don't they? So it's an attraction, right? Not necessarily to him, but maybe to who he is and what he has. So it may be harder for him. I'm not saying that he can't, because he can. And for all of us, self-control is a possibility. If you don't believe that God can keep you and give you self-control, then there's also questions about whether he can save you and save your soul. You have to believe that he has been able or is able to commit or keep that which you have committed to him until the day of redemption. Now, can I tell you it's a tough walk? This is where Bible study gets real good right here. 
Because you make a commitment, you make a commitment to anything and to anybody. It's hard to keep the commitment yourself. How many of y'all got a job? You committed anything to your job? You committed to be there? You committed to perform the job? You got a handbook. You probably signed a little piece of paper and said you'd do all this and do all that and do all this and do all that, right? How many of y'all do everything that's in the handbook and you said you were going to do? This ain't video. You ain't got to, you can raise your hand. Ain't no hands up in here. Ain't nobody keeping 100% of the handbook. Ain't nobody keeping 100% of the Bible. But if you keep any of it, it's going to be by God's help. That's it. It is tough in the cult. Now, what is wrong? What is it? What is this? And, and I, a lot of people use this passage of scripture. I want us not to misunderstand. I'm born in sin, shaped in iniquity, right? The stuff around me has an impact on me, does it not? The culture that I am in, the environment that I'm exposed to. But again, one of the ways to keep ourselves under some sense of self-control is not to let too much of the culture invade our lives, but for us to have some diet when it comes to the culture around us. You cannot sample everything in the environment on the buffet at Piccadilly. If you do, right, you're going to look like Piccadilly when you walk out. Right, you got to have an appetite for saying no to some things. And when you don't have an appetite that is, and none of us, let me say this, nobody in here has a natural appetite for everything to just say, I, ain't, I don't have to worry about that, right? It's just that you ain't sampled the right thing yet. But you have to ask the Lord to keep you. And then some things, here's what I pray. It's some things I've seen people, and I don't put anybody down, please get this, but I've seen some people behave on certain substances, and I pray to God, never let me ever try that, right? Because I don't ever want anything to have that much control over me where I, I, I just pray that, right? Because I ain't saying I'm better. I don't, say, I don't know how I would act if I was on it, right? And because I don't know how I would act and I don't want to be out of control like that, Lord, please don't. I ain't never even going to, you can't get me to sample it. You can't, you can't because I'm afraid of it, literally. And it's a healthy fear and a healthy respect because I'm like, no, I, I just don't want that outcome. Go ahead. You had another point. Yeah. Yeah. The asking of the control and praying for it, then... Yes, sir. That makes more sense. Yeah. It's self, and, and you have to ask for self-control, y'all. You got to ask for self. Lord, help me. Help me. I mean, because I, I cannot do this by myself. Uh, yield not to temptation. Right. Used to be a song that people sing. In church. I don't want to. Right. But it also said each victory will help you some other to win. Right. And so you have to know that you really have to ask the Lord to help you. Ask the Savior to help you is another part of that song. Yes, sir. Psalm 51 and 3. Right. For I acknowledge nope. my transgressions. My sins are always before me. I acknowledge my transgressions. My sins are always before me. Right. So when you're attempting to practice self-control and do what is right according to the will of God, why do your sins keep coming up in your mind and in your spirit? Um, David, in this situation, okay, 
First of all, um, just going to be honest with you, most of the sins we commit, we enjoy them. Right? Right? Well, I didn't like that. Okay, you're the one person. Right? You only did it one time, right? Well, I did it three times, but I didn't like it every time. I did it twice. I did it six times. Did it nine. How many times? Five. But I didn't like it every time. See, I, we love to do that. But David also was concerned about the people whom he led. When he said, my sins are ever before me, also remember when he goes down and he says, Lord, don't let anything happen in Jerusalem. He said, don't let, he said, keep this on me. Uh, one of the things that happens to us is that we see the impact of our sins when we have done it. And we see it in our family. We see it in our home. We see it in our job. We, see the, we feel the regret of it. And it's ever before us because we see the consequences. And the enemy makes sure that he holds that up. And he tries to keep it in your mind. And, you have to, and that's why David says, blot out my transgression. He said, Lord, take this thing and just stamp it, cover it up completely, eradicate it. Because I can't. I keep wrestling with it, and it keeps wrestling with me. Yeah. Uh, okay, back there, and then come here. What I wanted to bring, I, you know, like you said, we do have to pray for uh, self-control, ask God to help us. And God is so merciful, you know, and I can only speak from experience, that he is so merciful and that there are times when I have sought to do something. And he blocks, he puts blocks there where that which you sought to do, which may not have been. I wouldn't advise, you know, should we continue to sin just because we think he's going to do it? No. But God is so merciful and so good. Mm -hmm. uh, who wouldn't serve a God who is always looking out for me, who's always just taking Amen. Amen. She, that's very transparent. Here's a, a question right here, I think, right? Or he's coming with the microphone. Uh, but that's very true. Sometimes we try to do it. And God is loving and kind enough to say, you know what? You can't handle what comes behind this. I ain't going to even let this happen because it's going to tear you up. So I'm going to just stop it, right? Then some of us do like David. We run past the speed bumps. Or we just keep on trying to get to it and going to do it anyway, right? You know, you take the job that the Lord told you not to take, right? You go to the place on the vacation when the Lord tried to tell you not to go. You know, I'm trying to tell you, stay home this weekend. You need to be at home, right? But you just go anyway. It's just some things in our spirit that we want so much. We think we want so much. And, and we just don't hear what the Lord says. And then the consequences rest in that uh, decision that we make. And then we start going, Lord, why did you let me do that? I tried to stop you. Pastor Keith, uh, self-control versus free will. Yeah. What do you think the difference would be if, if you could answer that? Well, it's with they're, they're, they're in, intertwined. God gives us free will. He doesn't control us. He does not tell us what we can and cannot do. He gives you the choice. He gives you the decision. But within that, all things are lawful, but they're not expedient, right? I can do it, but it may not even be wise for me to do. There's some things that I pray to say, you know, Lord, yeah. There have been some times uh, I, uh, the, about a... Uh, about a month or so ago, um, uh, pastor called me, wanted me to come preach for him on a Sunday. 
Uh, he said, hey, man, can you come and, and preach for us? You know, Pastor, uh, Pastor Winans is who it was, as a matter of fact. I, I want you to come on this particular. And I said, no, I prayed about it. And it was, it was for me to be where I was. Uh, and that was the weekend that I had not one, but two members to go on life support. And I needed to be here with those families. God showed me that. Uh, and I needed to be where I was. Amen, Ms. Bohannon. And she's saying, and matter of fact, it was a weekend Mr. Bohannon passed. Uh, and I had uh, Reggie Mosby and Mr. Bohannon, same weekend, remember that? And the Lord said, no, no, he had shown me. You, I need you on the ground attending to and ministering to your flock. I said, okay. Now, I could have got on the flight and said, Gary, Naron, Craig, y'all be in place. Free will says go. I can take that choice. But self-control says, if God wants me to do that, there'll be another opportunity created for me to do it. Can I tell you what hit my desk today? An invitation to go on another event. He wants me to come up and do his 30th year anniversary or something like that. Whenever God has something for you, it's there. It's going to happen, right? But the choice, you have to stop and think in those choices that I'm making, what is it my flesh wants? And what is it that God's will or God's desire for me is? My flesh can dress anything up. Oh, man. I can make some stuff the will of God so quick as I can make God say stuff that God ain't never said. Right. In my in my flesh. Right. This is good for me. I deserve it. Come on. You ain't never said that. It's my time. Hallelujah. Amen. I love it when y'all hear them sermons there. It's my time. Right. Lord, oh, the Lord has showed you it's your time. Somebody preached that. You heard it. It's your time. You would have spent all your money because it was your time. And then them bills come in. It's daytime now. It's the bills time now. <laughs> it's Chase Banks time now. All right. All right. So, yeah. All right. Uh, I saw another hand, but can I go on to this next point? I want to get all these questions in real quick, and then we'll get the final question. You referred to setting borders and boundaries. I was wondering what to do or how to handle friends and people who see your new boundaries as acting funny or acting brand new. All of us have been there and done that. Listen, whenever you are making progress spiritually, godly growth, the enemy always has somebody there to try and act as if or make you feel as if Something wrong with you. What you're doing is, you, but what you really have are two things. Number one, some real envy. Peace is an enviable thing. And when people see you having peace and they see you growing, they really want to ask, how do I get some of that? But they don't know how. See, one of the things that happens to your sisters when they get married is that the single women are saying, I don't want no man telling me what to do. But guess what they're really saying? Does he have a brother? <laughs> when men are walking around telling another man, you hen pecked. You know what they're saying? Is there another hen around to peck me? The reality of it is, is that most times when you're moving in those areas where God would have you and that you've been striving for, there are always that set or group of people that are there. Jesus' family called him crazy. 
Jesus' family said he done lost his mind. He is beside himself. When Saul is converted and he is now walking for the Lord, the men who were with him sought to kill him. David's men, when he was right before his breakthrough to become king over all of Israel, they wouldn't go with him to get their stuff back when they had lost it at Ziglag. There's always going to be some fallout. First John says something to us. He said, look, they that left us were not of us, because if they had been of us, they could not have left us. It sounds like one of the most confusing verses in Scripture, but that's exactly what it says. They that went out from us were not of us, because if they had been of us, they could not have left us. So that means some folk never was supposed to be there in the beginning. And we have got to learn to be okay with the ministry of separation. You got to learn to be okay with the ministry of folk leaving. Hello, goodbye. It don't mean nothing wrong with you. It may mean there's more right with you than you know. Because I got to be honest with you, the more light that shines in a dark situation, shaky folk get out the light real quick. See, people ain't going to stay in situations where the level keeps going up in the Lord. When they see, you know, people in a, in a sense of growth and so forth, and they'll look at you and say something wrong with you. But it's really them. Don't you be worried about that. This question was asked, said, what do you do? They think you're acting funny. You're acting brand new. Go to Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 26. I'm going to read it real quick. I know we're short on time. Verse 12 and 26. The righteous should choose their friends carefully, for the way of the wicked lead them astray. You need to pray for your companions from the moment you start walking with the Lord. Everybody is not meant to be with you in godly spaces. You got to ask. And some people are there for reasons and seasons. We know that. And when the season ends, and the reason is no more. So long. Bye-bye. Not in a hard way, but this is as far as they can go. John Mark walked with Paul. After a season, they departed from another. At a later season, Paul said, go get John Mark. He is profitable to me for the ministry. Barnabas walked with Saul until he becomes Paul. Then he goes forward in the ministry. Barnabas departs. Philip, all of them, depart. they departed. It was not that they fell out with each other. It was that God had given them new assignments and God had given them greater growth to go into other areas. But sometimes in the space that you're in with the design of the ministry that's on your life, the call of God that's on your life, there are some folk that are just not going to be there. Don't mean they don't love you. It just may mean that they've done all that they were supposed to do. Everybody is not meant for elevated space, y'all. And they're going to try to make you feel like there's something wrong with you. And if I could be honest with you, nothing wrong with you, something right with you. You're doing what the Lord told you to do. Come ye out from among them. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, say, look, uh, uh, don't be conformed to this world, right? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Can I help somebody in here? Does everybody in here mind transform at the same rate? You ever had some folk that had to catch up or you had to catch up to some folk? Come on, be honest. Right? You didn't understand it. And, and you're trying to walk in the light, walk with the Lord. And, and you, you know, you're your mind is being transformed, right? Your mind is being renewed. You had Bible study. You done fooled around and learned something. You're learning and you're saying, I'm being transformed. 
But somebody who's not growing, not learning, they're not being transformed. And so as you walk, they say, and people will say this, well, we outgrew each other. It is possible to outgrow people. I hear folks say it all the time. Well, no, it is very possible to outgrow folk. If one is intentionally not growing and the other one is intentionally trying to grow, yes, you have a responsibility to share, but they don't have an obligation to receive. And if they don't receive, guess what you're doing? You're growing. They're not. And when you grow and keep going and decide to make a choice, I have decided to follow Jesus, right? When you make that decision, they're going to say, you're acting funny. No, I'm not. I'm choosing not to do this anymore. Let me ask y'all a question. Anybody in here like being broke? Let me see your hand if you do. I'm going to banish you from Bible study. <laughs> All right. So has anybody in here chosen to change some financial habits in your life? Right. If you choose, let's just say going out on weekend, drinking $18 drinks that's overpriced because of the glass they put them in was breaking you. And you chose, right, not to go out and do it this weekend. Are you acting funny? Are you acting funny? Some of the e-folk over here talking about, where did they serve $18 drinks at? <laughs> Lord have mercy. $18? They do have them, y'all. Don't they, y'all? They do. They do. They do. And so just because you didn't go, does that mean you acting funny? What does it mean? I made a decision to buy a whole bottle of whatever we had for $18. And I got a bottle of that at the house. And when I leaned over and asked the bartender last week what was in that drink, I went and bought all of that same stuff. And guess what I've been doing? Making them at the house. I'm going to make 18 of them for $18. Right? You ain't acting funny. Right? You have changed your mind. I have renewed my mind around some things. I got some renewed ways of thinking about some stuff that just, I, I'm thankful to God, amen, that he gave me a better way of thinking about stuff. There ought to be a whole lot of folk in here to say, I'm, I'm glad I changed my mind about that, amen? Because what this was doing was leading me to a place that was not good for me. And so a changed mind, can, it, it can cause people to say, they don't always understand it. Now, please get this, don't fault them, because can I give you this and we get out of here? The natural-minded man comprehendeth not the things of God, for they are spiritually discerned. When God is working in and on you, he is not giving your neighbor the cliff notes to your life. He is not explaining, cliff notes was my generation, what's the new book they read now? It's still cliff notes, what is it? Quizly, all right, same thing, little black and yellow book. Yeah, same thing. Huh? It's not a book. It's online, it's online now. Well, forgive me. <laughs> it's still the same outcome. It's online now. When God is working in your life, he ain't explaining it to nobody else. There's a change taking place inside of me. Right? Now, invite them to be with you. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. 
But if they choose not to, if they choose to criticize you and stand there and try to ostracize you, let the change take place, right? I can say this in closing, in love, when a huge shift was taking place in my life, I left a, a very comfortable corporate role, and uh, my peers thought, he's lost his mind. You know, guy's life is set up pretty good here. He's next in line for the biggest promotion. He's going to be the first black guy to do this. He's probably going to be in, you know, Jet Ebony Magazine back in those days, one of the top whatevers, right? I walked away from it. But I walked away from it in such peace and tranquility because I knew the Lord was calling me. I came here. I began ministry. The rest is history. One by one, I have become pastor and counselor to all of those people because they see the peace that God gave me. I've even gone back to do the eulogies of one or two of them or speak at two funerals because when they needed pastoral guidance and care, the closest resource and reference they had was me. There's some people online right now in cities across the United States of America that tune in to Paula every week, TV Paula right over there. And they are corporate executives and people that we know from back in the day. I'm as much their pastor in Memphis, Tennessee as anything. When there are crises in their life and things going on or just when they need somebody to talk to them, we're good friends. But they saw the change. And rather than ostracizing or criticizing, they said, go ahead on. We'll keep up with you. And it has worked out not just for my good, it's worked out for all our good, right? Notice what Joseph said, what the enemy thought for bad. God has let it work out for good, that much people should be saved. He said, what I went through to get to where I am, when people thought I had lost my mind or was crazy or dead or gone or whatever, he said, God was in it all the time. And he allowed me to get to the place and the point where I am so that when I got there, I could look back and bless and redeem those who thought that his brothers thought he was crazy when he said he was going to rule over them. But guess what? When God brought it to pass, he didn't hold it against them. He had some self-control. He blessed them. He brought them with him. Amen? Come on, let's give the lesson a hand on tonight. Amen? Questions. I'll take them real quick. I think I got a few more minutes. You got one or two questions. I'm going to leave self-control. At this point, uh, we're moving on from this uh, lesson, self-control. Anybody growing in self-control? All right, you growing? All right. Anybody don't want to be growing as fast as you're growing in self-control? Amen. Amen. Terrica say yes. Is that a question? All right. Say, say, you say it again, you the Your teaching. teachings um, jarred my memory of something that I read once, and I just wanted to share it with everybody, and you may have already heard it, but um, there was this Indian man, he set his grandson on his lap, and he um, said, son, inside of every man, there are two fighting wolves. Mm -hmm. You heard that one? Yeah. Yeah, one wolf, that's, I just had to make up something because I don't remember it, that's full of jealousy and strife and evil and the, the, seeking the desires of the world. And the other one is filled with compassion and love and seeking God. And the little boy asked him, so which wolf wins? He says, the one you feed. The most, right? Yeah. The one that you, you feed, feed the, the most. most. That's it. And 
And that's so true. It's, it's, it's the things inside of you that you feed. If you, if you feed the carnal desires, self-control is out the window. If you feed the spiritual desire, and I tell you what, you have to starve the carnal man because the carnal man grows naturally. The carnal man grows by the stuff that you're exposed to, right? You may not be seeking it out, right? You may not be a uh, perverse word-using person. That's a fancy way of saying you don't cuss, right? But I bet you you end up in places where people do, right? And you end up hearing it, don't you? And because you hear it, subliminally you've learned how to use that word. And you don't try to use it. But if the right thing happens to you, stimuli has a way of saying, when this happens, this is what people say. And before you know it, you done cussed. You, you have just let it out. And you say, I didn't mean to say that. Rest his soul, our good friend, Dr. David Boyle, could not cuss. God, they, David just, we used to tell David, shut up, right? When David would get mad, he would try to use a cuss word. But, you know, David was just so pure tongue. He just, all, he was preaching since he was six years old. So all David knew how to do was preach and read Greek. Uh, and David tried to cuss one day, and we just told him to shut up. We just said, be quiet. We said, next time you want to cuss, point to somebody and let them do it for you. Um, because he just wasn't that kind of guy. He just wasn't that kind of guy. But he had been around so many other people like Eric Winston and Kent Hall. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I named them because I know they listen to the podcast. Uh, that he wanted to use some of that language. But it can happen. Your environment can shape you, right? Here's the point that I'm trying to make very, very carefully. Self-control is something you need to pray to God about. Pray to God about your self-control, amen? Matter of fact, let's do it now. Father, self-control is something that I personally need more of. And I know the area in which I need it. I'm not so holy, sacred, sanctified that I'm not aware of myself. I am so aware of where I need greater self-control. I'm in touch with that. I thank you that you have given me the measure of self-control that I do have and you're keeping me because I actually know that if it were not for your hand guiding and holding me, it would probably be so difficult in my life to do these things on my own. Thank you for your strength that is made perfect in my weakness. Teach me not to try and do this on my own, God, because if I try to do this on my own, I'm going to slip and I'm going to mess up. And so I want you to control me. Control the taming of my tongue and the spending habits that I may have, the thoughts that I sometimes think which lead to the actions that I seek to, to carry out. Control me, dear God, and give me self-control in the flesh. Because God, the desires of the flesh are often shaped by the experiences of life. Some started early. Some started in ways that were not good. Some started in ways, God, where people had desires. So help us, dear God, to know that just because something has happened or started, it is not that it can't be brought back into control. It is by your power and your strength that we live, move, and have our being. Whatever it is in our lives, Bring it under your loving, subjective control. Your control, God, is not a harsh book of rules, but it's about relationship. You give us self-control so we can have the rewards of life, 
You give us self-control so we know the reasons more than the rules.